Does anybody ever feel like life is a mess? I loved how this ended up being like a big kind of like paint spill, you know. I'm sure people that have painted a lot have, might have seen that. Have you ever felt like you made such a big mess that you just can't fix it? You can't clean it up? You can't go back? Like, or you have regrets? Like, hello, am I not the only one here that's ever had regrets? I see some hands. Thank you. All the honest people have raised their hands that they have regrets. Sometimes they keep you up at night. Like, I, I literally have, like, laid in bed and going, like, why did I say that? Why did I do that, right? I mean, there's been times where it's so bad where it's like, I can't go to sleep until I send an email. And then I always think, should I send this email right in the midst of my, or I'll send it to myself, and then I'll reread it in the morning and be like, yeah, no, I feel better now. Just, I'm not going to send that, right? Have you ever been there, done that? Okay. Well, I piggybacking off of our last week's sermon about how God wants us to wait and how Satan wants us to rush, I wanted to talk about how does that affect us then when we make a mistake. See, God wants us to wait on him, right? And Satan always wants us to rush. And I think what happens a lot of times is when we make a mistake, we make a rush decision about it. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where you make this huge mistake, you can't face the people, you don't want to deal with it, and so you think, like, I'm just going to quit. I'm just not going to go back to that book club or work or whatever. I'm just going to quit because I can't face the mistake I made, right? Or if you've been in a relationship, right, where it's just like, oh, I'm just not going to call that person back, right? This happens a lot like in dating. Like you go on one date, something, you, know, you make a mistake, you say something stupid or whatever, and you just say like, nope, done. Not gonna, gonna, I think they ghost them now, which to me it's always like, what does ghosting mean? Ghost is still there. They just can't see them. Are you still there? Are you still interested? Never mind, but they call it ghosting when all of a sudden you just stop. You're just, you're not there anymore. To me, I would call that like I'm killing the relationship or I'm dead or it's cut it off, but they call it ghosting. But I believe that when these things happen, that Satan is the one tempting us and whispering our ear to rush or to quit when we make a mistake. And God, God is not like that. God is very patient with us. Right? And God will take his time. So today, I wanted to talk about what Peter did. Okay? So I got to give you a little backstory in case you forget. Like, which one's Peter? Is it Peter or Paul? Peter, Paul, and Mary. Was that the, the, some sort of singers when they were? Yeah. Okay. So Peter was the part of the original 12 with Jesus. Paul came later. Okay? So we're not talking about Paul today. Paul made a lot of mistakes. But he's not... A, topic of our subject today. So Peter, though, his, his name actually was Simon, okay? But Peter, or Petros, was rock. And because he had made the statement of when Jesus said, who are you? And he says, you are, you know, the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus changed his name and said, I will now call you Peter, which means rock, because upon this statement that this truth that you are aware of, I will build my church. So now we just refer to him as Peter. But Simon was a fisherman, and he was out with his partners, and they were out fishing, and, and he uh, wasn't a good guy, right? He, he knew about the Ten Commandments, but he didn't always follow them. And 
he was kind of like me, kind of a loud mouth and kind of, you, you think after you've done something, you know, how they say, think before you speak. No, there's some of us that we speak first and then afterwards we overthink what we said. You're like, oh, why did I say that? That was Peter. Peter would get in, in a lot of trouble. There were literally times where he'd say something and Jesus would look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. Like one minute I'm changing your name to Peter and upon this rock, I'm going to build the church. And the next minute I'm saying, what's coming out of your mouth is demonic. Ooh. So, I mean, this guy, right, was not a perfect person. And he was fishing one day and Jesus came along and said, hey, can I use your boat? He's like, okay. And so he's washing his nets and Jesus kind of gets on the boat and he begins telling a message and the water kind of, or the message echoes across the water. And so everybody could hear. And at the end, he performs a miracle for Peter. And Peter literally says, like, get away from me, dude. Like, I am not a holy man. Like, I am a sinner. And I can tell that you are at least a prophet at that point, right? Because Peter just met him and was like, I don't want holiness around me because I'm filthy. That's why Jesus came, because when we're filthy, we don't feel like we can be in God's presence. Aren't we glad that Jesus came? So it's like he washes me clean so I can be in his presence, even though I'm not perfect. So that's the first time he's interacting with Jesus was to say, like, dude. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're going to follow me and you're going to be a fisherman. And he, he does. He ends up following Jesus. There's about a three year ministry there. And it gets all the way down to the end. And Jesus begins telling them, look, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. And I have to do this. Peter, with his big mouth, was one of the first ones to say, oh, no, you're not. I'll fight. I'll do whatever. We're not going to let anybody kill you. And he's just like, no, I have to do this. He's like, okay, well, then I'll go to the cross with you. And he's like, really, Peter? You're going to end up denying me three times. I would never deny you, Lord. And when they were actually in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the guards, the temple guards came to take Jesus away, Peter actually pulled a sword out and cut one of the guys' ears off. So this was a guy willing to fight. And Jesus just said, no, 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 no. You know, some people speculate, why did they come at night? Maybe they wanted to come, get him into a fight so they could have just killed everybody and swept it away would have been done with it. And Jesus knew he had to have a public trial and be crucified publicly. He squashed that immediately. He said, oh, stop. Everybody put your swords away. He healed the man's ear that had the ear come off. He put his ear back on and said, we're done. Like, take me. You know, and he says, why are you coming at night with clubs and, with you know, guards? He's like, you could have arrested me during the day when I was in the middle of the temple, but you didn't. So Peter then follows Jesus to the courtyard where he's being interrogated. And before the rooster crowed three times that morning, Peter had denied Jesus three times, like Jesus told him he would. And all of a sudden, when the rooster crowed and he realized he just denied him three times, Peter ran away, just totally defeated and totally disgusted and realized what a mistake he had made. Have you ever been there, done that? Like, I've never, honestly, I can't think of any time I've ever denied Christ, but I've made some big mistakes in life where I was, like, really, like, mad at myself afterwards, where I was just, like, you know, and see, pride will make us excuses, right? And uh, if somebody comes against us and say, why did you do this, blah, 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 pride will say, like, wow, I didn't mean it that way, and this is blah, blah, blah. But deep down, 
be nice all the pride, whatever you just said publicly, you know you screwed up. Most of us do anyway. If we have a conscience, we know we screwed up. And so Peter knew that he screwed up. And in some of the different spots in the Bible, it will talk about how all the disciples were together and Peter. You're like, why does it say and Peter? Peter was one of the disciples. And many people say the reason why the fellow disciples wrote that passage that way is because at that point, Peter told them all, I don't deserve to be a disciple anymore because I've denied Christ. And that Peter had rushed to a decision, like many of us do, and had quit. So we pick up the story here in John chapter 21. And it says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were, were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now what's interesting is we don't really see in the three years that the guys were with Jesus, them going out and fishing. We see them getting into a boat, maybe going from one side of a lake to the other side of the lake, but we don't see them fishing. Why all of a sudden has Peter said, I'm going to go back fishing? Because this, this wasn't like, I'm going to go throw a rod and get one fish for me and my family. No, this was industrial fishing. They had big nets and they would bring the cast in. So some people would say that Peter had literally said, I'm no longer a disciple. I'm just going to be a fisherman of fish now. I'm quitting. I'm done. But what's interesting is that his friends did not allow him to go alone. Isn't that nice to have friends when all of a sudden, like, you're just beside yourself and you're like, I, I'm done. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go here. I'm just going to go, go there. Right. I've literally have known people that have like gone through horrible divorces and they're like, that's it. I'm just going to go to the bar tonight. Now you would say if I was a holier than thou pastor and I was up here and I only told you everything good about me that I would say, well, I never went with anybody to the bar after they went through divorce and they were just desperate and going to do whatever. But I have literally had friends that were so upset about things that I said, okay, I'll go with you. And I just sat there. I, wasn't, I didn't find anything appealing about that because there's nothing usually very appealing going on in a bar. But I remember sitting with somebody who was just so distraught about what was going on and thought that was going to be the answer and driving them home that night and just staying with them and praying with them. In the end, they've decided that was not the way to find their solution. But I was being a friend in that evening and saying, if you're going to go do this, I don't want you to be alone. And I remember thinking when I'm sitting there going like, I would rather be at home in my pajamas, curled up with my fuzzy blanket, right? Watching Downton Abbey. I mean, maybe that's not the best show in the world, but that's where I wanted to be that night. But you know what? In that moment, that person needed a friend. So... When we go through the mistake and we decide to quit, sometimes we make dumb decisions. That's just it. And Peter did. Peter's just like, I'm done. I'm quitting everything. I'm just going to go fishing. But I love the fact that he had some friends that decided to stick with him. So now I have a question for you. So some of us, we've made a mistakes. We've made mistakes, right? We're going through the now what or what now. Now what do I do? 
And my first question is, is reach out to your friends. Let's be honest, though. Some of us don't have any friends, right? We just don't have, I don't know who I would call, Mary. Okay, well, you need to make friends. Let's, let's do that. Like, in our life, I will make mistakes, and I will need to reach out to somebody. And if I don't have a quick 10 people, 12 people like Jesus had that I could call on, Peter had, you know, these 12 guys that were his friends, then I need to make an effort to start inviting some people into my life. What does that look like? That literally looks like getting to know somebody, finding out when their day off is, and inviting them over for lunch right? Inviting them out for a cup of coffee, saying, hey, you work till five on Thursdays at six o'clock. Do you want to meet up at McDonald's for milkshakes? And just talk to them, right? People will ask me, how, Mary, how? I, I see you with people and, you, and you're talking and everyone's engaged and I don't know how to do that. I'm not an extrovert like you. Well, I'll tell you a secret, most people, whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, they like talking about themselves. So ask them a question about themselves. Get to know them well enough that you can say, so I hear you have a dog. Tell me about your dog. That'll give you 10 minutes worth of conversation. People love talking about their dogs. Does anybody here have a dog? Can you show me a picture of your dog on your phone? Who has a picture of their dog on their phone? Yep, yeah, come on. Well, Jason, you might not, but I bet Heather does. Yeah, okay, because she's one that loves that doggy, right? So seriously, you find somebody, you ask them out. And now this isn't a date, this is a friendship. And then you ask them, say, tell me about your dog. Tell me about whatever, right? Tell me about your job. Tell me about your motorcycle. Tell me about, you know, your fishing boat. Tell me, where, where, do you, where do you end up going for Christmas every year? Oh, your mom's. Okay, how, you know, how, what does she like to make for dinner on Christmas? Talk about food. People love to talk about food, right? I could tell you all here my favorite dessert that I don't know how to make, but I'm sure somebody in this room knows how to make it and would love to make it for me when I'm up on the roof, right? Oh, Pastor Mary, I made that pretzel jello cream cheese. What, I don't know what it's called, but it's really good. My grandma used to make it. Mm-mm-mm right? So do you have a friend? If you don't, why don't you make some? Seriously, like make some friends. See, Peter had some friends that stayed with him when he was just going through this regret of his mistake. And they stayed with him to make sure that he was not alone, even though they might not have agreed with him that he was going to quit everything and just go back to being a fisherman. They went with him, okay? So it says they're out there, though, all night, and they caught nothing. Eh, people always talk about having signs from God. I think that's a really good sign, right? Like, okay, I'm just going to be a fisherman for now. Oh, there's nothing. But something happens. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them and said, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, flashback, that first miracle I told you about that got Jesus and Peter connected, it was the same thing. He was complaining after Jesus got done preaching that they had fished all night and didn't get any fish. And he said, 
try one more time, throw it on the right side of your boat. And and this is all symbolic. And they got all these fish. So this happens again, right? Oh, friends, no fish all night. Okay, go throw your net out on the right side. So many fish, they can't even haul it in. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, the author of this particular passage, he never refers to himself in his first name. It's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John says to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not that far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with the fish on it and some bread. Okay, so Peter is teaching us our second principle I want us to remember. When we've made a mistake and we don't know what to do next, we still always go to Jesus. Okay? So what I think is so cool about this is Peter knows that Jesus is so loving and so forgiving that even though he's disgusted with himself and no longer feels that he is worthy of being a disciple and that he should go back to his previous career, when he realizes Jesus is there in the flesh, he runs to him. He knows that Jesus is loving and forgiving and that he might be not forgiving himself, but he knows that Jesus is going to accept him. And see, that is a principle that is hard for most of us to get. See, most of us believe if I've made a mistake and I hate myself and I'm mad at myself, I believe that I can't run to Jesus because God is going to hate me and be disappointed with me, right? But the opposite is true because Peter had spent enough time around Jesus that even though he was mad at himself, he knew he could still run to Jesus. So what now? Definitely crawl out to your friends. Don't be do anything alone. See, Satan uses our alone time to creep in what we call depression and suicidal thoughts and all these horrible things when we're going through a hard time and we've made a big mistake because we're mad at ourselves. That's where the friends come in. That's why your first line of defense is your physical friends here on the earth. Sometimes you need them representing Christ to you. Sometimes you need them saying, well, I'm going to pray. I've literally have asked people, will you pray for me? I have to ask that more often because I'm usually the one praying for others. You know, everybody's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. Well, it's not going to sound as good as when you pray. I don't care what it sounds like. It's just any prayer, right? Pray for me. It's kind of like if you're bleeding out in the middle of the road, right, and somebody walks up and you're like, bandage this up. And they're like, well, I'm not an ER doctor, so it's not going to be that great. You don't care at that point. You'll go to the expert when you have time, but in the middle of a crisis, you just need somebody to put some pressure on it and get it bandaged up so you don't bleed out. So number one, get your friends around you. You have to call people up and say, I need help. You literally need to call people up and say, please, you know, come over and check on me. I've already told like my close friends and I'm very morbid and you guys will get used to this. But my dad died when I was 11. And I remember Todd going on a motorcycle trip one time and I told my best friend at the time, I'm like, if anything ever happens to Todd... I'm going to have to be busy in the beginning to take care of all the funeral arrangements and everything. But after that, I'm going to get in my bed and I'm not going to come out for at least two or three weeks. I said, it'll be your job to make sure that you come here and get me up out of bed and have different friends stop by every day to make sure I get out of bed. Don't give me more than two weeks. 
and somebody's got to come here and start getting me up out of bed. And of course, at the time, she's like, nothing's going to happen to him. He'll be fine. And he was. But I was like planning ahead. Like if anything ever happens, I need a friend that's going to be that one to say, we got to surround her. We got to help her. We got to be there. We got to get her up and get her out of bed. I remember when a friend of mine, her husband had called and said, my wife's mother just died last night unexpectedly. And I showed up at her house and I wouldn't leave. She, I found out she hadn't slept yet. She had been up all night. They had been at her house and uh, this emergency happened and she'd gone to the hospital with her mom and she's back at the house and she's just beside herself. And I just started cleaning up her kitchen and I just wouldn't leave. I just stayed with her. And I was like, okay, it's time for you to go take a shower now. Go get a shower and get dressed. And then I stayed with her until some more of her family from downstate got there and was with her to then take her to the funeral home and stuff. This is what Peter's, the disciples did with Peter's. They stayed with him. But again, if you don't have anybody to call, it's because you need to invite them in your life during your everyday moments, right? People that are strangers, they don't want to come over and help you move, right? They don't want to come over and help you unless you're paying them. But your friends come and do it. Why? Because you're super fun on Super Bowl. Because you're super fun on their birthday when you take them out to eat. Because you're super fun on Saturday mornings when you go get donuts and get coffee. So it's like we do things for each other in a friendship where we show up on the hard moments because we've invested in the good moments. So whose life are you investing in, right? And then number two then is you cry out to Jesus. You, you have the, the, the natural support going on, but now you got to cry out for that supernatural support. See, so your body and your soul and your emotions, you're getting help now physically because you cried out to your first line of defense, which is your friends. And some people would say family. But your second line of defense is now your spirit needs to stay connected. Your spirit needs to know. You need to remind yourself, I might be disappointed in my mistakes I might be disappointed in this crisis. I might be upset, but I need to be able to call on Jesus. And so Peter knew that he could go to Jesus no matter what. And so then John said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They were not far off from the land, maybe a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. See, God wants to bless us even after we've made a mistake. Isn't that amazing? Here Peter had just made this blunder, totally denied Christ three times, and then deserted him. The only one left to even come see Jesus at the cross was John. And probably the only reason why he had guts enough to go do it was because he's got Jesus' mother with him, and she wanted to go see him. And here Jesus said, okay, I've got these fish. I've got all this. I'm going to go. And so they go there, and it's a blessing. Now he's got 153 large fish he can sell. He's got, you know, we think like, oh, well, if I screw up, God's not going to bless me. No, we, God wants to bless you. So 
Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've caught, right? So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat. He dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. But none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh, this is a good question. Now you denied me. Yep, you are imperfect and you made mistakes. The question is, do you love me? Yes, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter again answered, right? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now let's stop here for a second because this is like the third part of this. We've all made mistakes. We've all like quit things prematurely that we shouldn't have quit and been depressed. And hopefully we had a friend or a family member, somebody come alongside of us and stick with us as we went through that process. We could look at the book of Job, right? When Job lost everything and was sick and how his friends just sat there. It'd be interesting if you read that, it says for one week, they all just sat with him and said nothing. Now, if y'all came over to my house and I was not feeling good, I wasn't talking, and you sat there for seven days and said nothing to me, I'd be like, what the heck is going on? But that's what they did. They just sat with them. So we understand that that first part, we need our friends to come around us. We understand the second part, that we need to keep running to Jesus, even though our emotions and Satan and the temptation is going to be to tell you that he doesn't want you, but he does. He just wants you to love, right? The third part, though, is to not stop doing what we know to do, to do the right thing. See, Jesus kept saying to him, look, do you love me? And he's like, well, of course I love you. He's like, well, then feed my sheep. Well, then take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. Do something. See, a lot of times we say we love somebody, but if we don't ever do what they want us to do, they don't feel loved, do they? Right? If I said, oh, Todd, I love you but I didn't let them touch me and I didn't touch them and I slept in the guest room and I just asked for some money every week and I kind of ignored them the rest of the time. Do you think he would feel loved or do you think he would feel used? Right? I mean, and I mean, we're humans. So I'm not saying that you have to worship God and serve him and, you know, let your whole day be in service to God. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying there's got to be some sort of relationship interaction right? If you're in a relationship with somebody, there needs to be some communication. Are you praying to God? Are you talking to him? Yes. Every day, ask him, tell him what you need, but every day, thank him for what he has done, right? Part of our worship before we even start talking is just, you are a great God. You are, we adore you. We love you, right? The songs are trying to teach you what you can say when you're at home in prayer, It's okay to worship him. It's okay to talk to him. It's okay to be in a relationship with him. 
And I mean, that's something we have to learn as humans. A lot of times we think God is this concept. God is up in the clouds. I remember we did this book club one time and I picked a book and I remember the one of the ladies said to me at the end of it, she goes, the biggest thing I learned, Mary, is that God is personal and he wants to have a relationship with me. And I was kind of shocked that she got that out of this book. It was more of a story about this family. But she said, when I first started reading this book, I thought when I laid in my bed at night and said my prayers, that maybe they went to the roof of my, maybe they went up to the roof of my bedroom and fell back down. She said it, but on days when I was really, really trying hard, I thought my prayers would maybe make it up to the clouds and he would hear them. She goes, after I got done reading this book, I realized, no, God is right here next to me. And when I'm praying, he hears every single thing I'm saying. And it's not about my might to get my prayers up to the heavens. It's about me acknowledging that he's in my life and he's with me every single day. And it it just changed her thought that he's a relational God. He cares about every little thing. See, a lot of times we'll say, I love you, but it doesn't come out in our actions. The first thing he says is, feed my lambs, right? And see, Peter had been called to be a disciple and to go and share the gospel and to share the message. At that point, everybody that's hearing about the gospel, they're like baby Christians, right? They're lambs. The lambs are the little teeny tiny ones that are just born. But see, they're going to eventually grow. And then he says the second time, well, if you do, then take care of my sheep, right? And then eventually he says, feed my sheep. And this is like just a great illustration of this new young church that's going to be coming. And first you got to feed the lambs that are baby Christians. And then as they grow up, you got to take care of them and then feed them so they even grow. But what about us? What does it mean for us? Maybe I'm not called to be like Peter. Maybe you're not called to be like Peter. And and you go to Jesus and say, hey, I just screwed up. I just made this big mistake. I've got friends around me. I'm going to try harder to get people around me that I can trust and talk to. And not every person that's around you is a friend. I hope you all know that, right? Don't just invite anybody to come over, right? You've got people that will come over and tell you to curse God, curl up and die. I mean, that's what Job had. He had a few people that just said his wife kept saying that to him. Why don't you just curse God, curl up and die? You know, so sometimes your family members or your close friends, you know, if you start hearing something that's just making you feel even worse, it's okay to say to them, ah, thanks for coming over, but don't come back tomorrow. We want, you know, you got to find the right people in your circle to be there. But you find those friends and you realize that no matter how much of a mistake I made, I'm still going to serve God. I'm going to go after God. And he is going to ask me, do you love me? And I'm going to say, yes, God, I love you. And then guess what he's going to do? He's going to ask me to do something. It might not be feed my sheep. It might be get up and make your family dinner tonight. Now, for a woman that's been depressed and been in bed for two weeks to hear get up and feed your family dinner tonight, those are her sheep, right? Those are her, that's her flock. Maybe all of a sudden she's going to realize like, okay, I've been, you know, we make a mistake. Sometimes we do. We feel sorry for ourselves. We feel sorry for the situation. We feel we're upset about it. But when God, when we run to him, he's going to say to us, you got to do something. You can't stay stuck in the, I've made a mistake and now I don't know what to do. Sometimes we've got to do something. 
And sometimes it might be as simple as, okay, get up and clean your house. Okay, you know, get up and invite three friends over. Tell so-and-so to buy pizza and, and have them come over and you're going to have a pizza party tonight. Maybe tonight you're going to call your cousin that you know is even in a worse place than you are. And you're going to encourage them and pray for them. I don't know what he's going to ask you to do, but God wants us to do something beyond ourselves. See, Peter just wanted to just, him and the fish in the boat, all by himself. Friends want to come along, come along, but I'm not going out in front of people. And Jesus, doesn't he have a great way of saying, oh, no, no, you fell off that horse, you got to get back up on it. In some cases, and depending on what our situation is, you know, maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's a different type of ministry. But sometimes it's, no, maybe I just need to go back and be humble and say, hey, I'm sorry I screwed up. Can I, can I try to fix this? Can I do something different next time? Sometimes it's with ourselves, right? You know, I mean, think about somebody who's going through an addiction. Maybe you have two years sober and then all of a sudden you fall off the wagon. Well, do you want to just stay in that? Just say, well, I quit. I can't do it. Or do you get back up? And you say, okay, I got to get my friends around me, right? And then you go to the AA meetings or you go to the NA meetings or you go somewhere, right? You go to celebrate recovery and you're honest. Say, hey, I screwed up, but I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to, guess what he's going to say to you? Okay, make one more day, one more step, one more thing. Make it through this day without drinking, right? Instead of going home and feeling like you're all by yourself, why don't you go, go to the nursing home and visit grandma, right? Go over to your aunt's house and say, hey, on Friday nights, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do your yard work. Maybe that was a night when normally you'd go to the bar. You know, you've got to do something. So number one, get your friends around you. Number two, go to Jesus. Number three, do something. Find out what God wants you to do and do something. Jesus went on to explain to, to Peter, and they kind of had a discussion about John, and, and he goes on, and he says in verse 18, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves, and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and somebody else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Ultimately, that's the end of it. God wants us to follow him. Peter turned and saw John was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, that when he had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? Isn't that funny? We're in the middle of, okay, I screwed up. I got this going on. I got this going on. And we're still, our human nature is like, well, what about him, right? Well, what about what you want him to do? You're asking me to do this. What about, well, how many of us, we compare ourselves to other people? See, Peter went on to compare himself with John. And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? But you must follow me. See, sometimes when we're at our lowest point, we want to compare and say, well, why am I going through this? They don't have to go through this. And Jesus is always like, don't compare. What is it to you, what I'm doing with them? Follow me. We need to follow him in our life, no matter what, even if we've screwed up, because his love for us doesn't change. And our love for him shouldn't change. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that not even the whole world 
would have enough room for the books that would be written. Let us pray. Father God, help us as we go through life and having to take time to invest in human friendships, take time to pursue you. And that looks different for all of us. Some of us need to listen to podcasts about, about you, Jesus, and what it means to be a Christian or what it means to to, to be in the spirit. Some of us just need to read our Bible or we need to turn on our phone apps and let it read us, read it to us. Some of us need to get into Bible studies. Some of us just need to make a commitment to come to church every single Sunday so we can get closer to you. I don't know what that means to follow you. Every one of us is different, but Father God, you know. So I ask you to touch each and every single person here and reveal to them what that looks like and then what their next step is. Are they going to stay in a quit map mode or are they going to switch over into a follow you mode and I'm going to do something. I'm going to feed someone. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to do something different. Father God, we know that you love us no matter what mistakes we've made. And we ask you to help us to stay motivated and help us to switch over from the depressed and isolation mode into the I'm going to be productive and do something with my life mode. Encourage us and help us to read our Bibles. Encourage us and help us to get connected with others. Be with us and watch over us. Help us to let go of the comparison trap and to stop comparing our lives or our situations with others. And Father God, bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we will be here next week at 10 o'clock. And if you need anything from the Blessing Shop, it is out the lobby and to the left. Thank you. God bless.